0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, head of content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Dr. Claire Walsh. Claire is the Director of Education at the Institute of Analytics, and we're here today to discuss the future of AI regulation. Claire, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, really great to obviously have you on today. And we're recording right before Christmas as well. So thank you so much for freeing your time up. Um, Just for those who haven't already um, heard uh, of you before, could you just let our audience know a little bit more into who you
1: are and what you do? Yes, so we are the Institute of Analytics. We are a global membership body for the data professions. Um, We support our members in progressing in their careers, securing salary increases through upskilling and generally supporting organisations as they progress through this period of dramatic change in the workplace.
0: Uh, That's that's kind of what I wanted to really talk to you today about. I noticed that you recently contributed to the uh, recently published UK government white paper on AI regulation and kind of where we sit right now. Um, Just in your own words, where do you really see the regulatory landscape for artificial intelligence right now? And how do you feel about the efficacy of current legislation?
1: So it's extremely complex, I think, is the first thing that we have to understand. And I understand that... A lot of people want governments to take action. They want artificial intelligence to be brought under democratic government control. Um, I think there's been a lot of fear this year um, about what AI could do, how it could replace jobs. uh, And I've been asked many times if it's going to kill us all. Um, which I'm confident it's not. It, it's,
0: it's not, right? <laughs>
1: no, no, we've got Will Smith, we've got Dwayne Johnson, we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like, how do you then regulate it, it's not that easy. I, I mean, the idea that it's unregulated anyway um, is not true. You can't break the law with a human, with a machine. You can't break the law, and we have many, many laws that um, touch on the field of AI. Um, you... introducing additional laws is going to be terrifically challenging in the field of artificial intelligence it's not one team building these machines it's thousands of people contributing globally and we have a lot of third-party dependencies we say you know we're using stuff built by people built by people built by people how do you trace back through that supply chain who is responsible it's going to be very, very challenging um, you know, to identify the person who is responsible. And uh, a lot of the things that we're trying to protect against are what we call unanticipated consequences. In other words, we don't actually intend for these things to happen when we build the AI, but they happen anyway. And this idea that we can just get rid of all unanticipated consequences when we're doing something completely new is wishful thinking. Um, so. It's a very complex area to regulate. Whether we need additional protections is a big question. What those additional protections might look like is another big question. Um, And and then we also have a massive lack of skills at the moment in the workplace. Who would actually enforce this? Who is capable of understanding and interpreting those laws if we introduce them today? Um, and so I I was quite pleased with the UK's approach, which was to hold back um, a little on the, the 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 highest level of control, which is introducing new laws, and work with promoting best practice and building those skills and getting everybody to the point where they can understand what we're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah it's really interesting that you you say that and and kind of mention the the kind of fear and the and and the kind of reluctance and caution because at the same time of course we've seen a lot of businesses um really really scrambling to get ai in as fast as possible into their daily workflows um obviously feeling like a little bit of fomo um how can those who haven't yet started getting that ai into their uh, workflows, really feel empowered by technology, understand its benefits, and obviously integrate that into the business in a efficient and compliant and secure way.
1: So I think the first thing is um, not to worry too much <laughs> that you're falling behind. When we started this year and um, you know generative AI, chat GPT and these these image generators were unleashed on the world. It was, a, it was quite a shocking wake-up call, I think, for all of us. Um, and we imagined that overnight everything would change. In reality, the statistics don't bear that out. And, you know, I'm a statistics woman. Um, only around about 5% of companies have already adopted what we would call AI technologies, really emerging technologies. So you're not falling behind. It perhaps feels that way because those 5% are... Big influential companies, with their you know their reach goes out a long way, Um, but in reality, the majority of businesses haven't yet integrated artificial intelligence. Now then, that's the 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 flip side of this is that it's not to breed complacency. Um, We do know that change is coming. It's just not coming overnight. We know that by twenty. 30, that 94% of the population will need to upskill or reskill, you know, completely find a different career. Um, so we need to start getting ready for that. 94%, that's that's pretty much all of you listening. Um, and if you're a business um, owner, the benefits of upskilling are huge, around about 12% productivity increases per person once they do upskill. So you multiply that by all your staff we might actually start to see some, some real lift in terms of, of productivity. So don't panic, but have a plan in place. <laughs> um, and really, I think the place to start is just looking at the data that you have. What state is it in? How usable is it? What problems do you have? What solutions are out there? Um, it's, it's all these skills that you as a business person have already, um, and then perhaps doing some research to see what tools are out there to help you.
0: Yeah, I think finger think, think is a really interesting point there. And obviously looking towards 2024 and beyond, how do you see the data analytics and wider business world really shifting as artificial intelligence becomes more sophisticated and uh, more ubiquitous?
1: Oh, so future gazing is always quite challenging in my field. It always,
0: yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: Um, it always comes as a shock, whatever happens. Um, I think when, we, when we're thinking more specifically about the year ahead, I mean, one of the things that we did was to start seeing how we could start getting machine input at the beginning of pipelines of workflows. So uh, suggesting ideas, um, brainstorming, those kinds of things. We've been using generative AI to support with that um, and then bringing it in at the very end to do all the really boring jobs like spell checking and those kinds of things. Um, and then, the, the, you know, the part in the middle is where you get you benefit from the humans, the editing, the selecting, the making the choices, all of those things. The decision making is, is very human. Um, I think a lot of the excitement is going to come in in specific sectors so um, in the field of life sciences, biomedical innovations, it's phenomenal the work that they are doing. Absolutely phenomenal. They are coming up with cures for diseases that can't, perhaps haven't been diagnosed, certainly have been ignored. There are thousands of illnesses out there that we currently cannot treat. And the revolution in that field is just so exciting. So on a personal level, if you have a loved one, Who who does have a very severe illness that um, is resistant at the moment to current treatments there's amazing help coming Um, in terms of the wider business world I think we again I think we just got to start small and start upskilling the staff and empowering them if you start today then you know by the end of the year you'll have significant advances in the understanding of your staff they don't necessarily have to carry out the coding They don't necessarily have to carry out the analytics, but if they can look at the output and understand it, ask all the right questions, critically evaluate, that would be a fantastic step forward. I think another way that we're going forwards, as I said, regulating is very, very challenging. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, It's gonna be hard, but auditing is a really wise option. Um, And we're going to be rolling out um, audit training, um, AI audit training, actually, in, in 2024. And I think this is going to be the way that we go forwards with artificial intelligence. And there are two sides to this. One is that we've got to get our data scientists to explain their work in a way that everybody can understand, not just cheerlead for the good things, but also point out the risks, the limitations, what you shouldn't be doing with this artificial intelligence machine, um, and then we need another side, which is the business people, to be able to critically evaluate that report, to be able to ask all the right questions. And I think that once we get those two skills in place, we'll be in an incredibly strong p- place to be able to move forwards and really take advantage of some of the fantastic opportunities these technologies bring. Um, they, you know, It really is exciting, the changes that are coming with them.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a really um, exciting time to, to really be in the workforce and be at the forefront of, you know, going to terms with everything that it really can do. Yes, it's been obviously super interesting for myself as a journalist to kind of see the work that it's uh, done in terms of revolutionising how people are creating content, how people are consuming content. And yeah, big, big shake up for us. Um, ju- just to kind of touch upon what you mentioned uh, regarding, you know, AI and how and how you're using it as well. Um, how are you personally using AI right now? And is there anything it can't do yet that you'd love to see made possible next?
1: Ah, oh, it's automating my data cleaning and I love it for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think when we think about AI replacing Jobs. It's not replacing jobs. It's replacing roles, and it's replacing roles that we hate. Like I hate data cleaning, and I can automate a lot of that process. Um, not all of it, but a lot of it, and it just makes my life better. So that's my number one. Yay <laughs> for, um, for 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 <laughs> for, um, for you know for, that's for automation. Of course, I absolutely adore the the insights that we get. Um, you know, we we humans are slow to update our perspective of the world data gives us a really immediate wake-up call when things have changed Um, so i think you know those two uh, you know it's what everybody is doing insight and automation of the things where you really want those changes the technology i can't wait for is the hologram phone call Um, (laughs) and it's not that far off when we get 6g connectivity 6g has got the precision of that data point that will allow us in theory to create the hologram phone call. Now then there's a few other technologies obviously that we need layered on top of that. We need to be able to render it um, visually, but then we also have the protocols coming last year in 2022 on how we render things um, in the virtual reality world. So I think that hologram phone call is not that far off and I can't wait to see that.
0: Do you know what it's really not? I had the pleasure of um being invited to the McLaren Technology Center uh in in Woking earlier this year. And what, what they have is um it, it's kind of like a. it it kind of is like a hologram call apart from it's like, uh, it it all takes place within AR goggles. So you put on this, this huge, like 15 kilogram headset and um, it's how their, their engineers uh, talk with each other and talk with execs and stuff where they can pull up a 3d image of the steering wheel and then they can in augmented reality, pull it apart and move around all of the different parts. And it's, it's like a hologram projecting in front of you through the through the lenses. Um it was very heavy, the headset. Um and it didn't make my eyes feel great, but it's definitely like a sign of, you know, what they're really trying to accomplish uh moving forward. And obviously in the in, in that kind of industry, you know, they're gonna be at the forefront of that uh aren't they? So
1: I still won't be able to get it in my kitchen where I can barely get Wi-Fi, but never no, mind.
0: No, no, it won't be a free, <laughs> few years off that. <laughs> um, Claire, thank you so much for coming on to the uh, EM360 podcast today. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you and your work?
1: Yes, so I am Claire Walsh. I'm the Director of Education at the Institute of Analytics. You can find us on our website at ioaglobal.org.
0: Perfect, perfect. And obviously we'll have uh, that link down below in the description as well. Thank you to all of the audience for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, follow the conversation on our socials at em360tech on Twitter and LinkedIn and for more great daily content please head on over to em360tech.com.